Everyone wants more. And maybe some of you are asking, why do we talk about finances in the church? Have you ever wondered why we talk about finances in the church? Anyone wondered why? I think the reason, I mean, this is not intentional. It just happened to fall into place. In the beginning of the year, we talked about miracles, right? Who believes in miracles? Who wants to experience miracles? All of us, right? Either in our jobs, in our health, right? We all want to experience miracles. But sometimes, when miracle happens, we forgot about the miracle giver, right? And hence, we talk about series. We, we, we wanted to make sure, we wanted to help everyone to know what to do when the miracle comes. And it's not intentional, what, like, like what I said, but when, we were, when I was thinking about it this morning, it's actually in preparation of the miracle that's coming. That's why we went, we, we want to talk about finances. We want to talk about blessings, all right? Not just finances in the church. So that when the finances, when the blessing comes, we don't get overwhelmed and we don't forget about the giver. Now, one of my biggest, one of the biggest blessings that I have received in life is not actually finances, but it's the lack of finances, right? And the reason I lack finances is because of my family, okay? <laughs> um, um, yeah, this is my family. To those of you who are joining for the first time, this is my family sitting with me. Is of course my beautiful wife, um, who I think is going through her settings right now to adjust the way she spends. If you saw that on Facebook, you can connect, but if not, sorry. Okay? <laughs> um, and standing behind her is my daughter, Christelle, and my son, CJ. They, they, are, they are actually one of the biggest blessings that I have in my life. Um, yes, it was financially draining, but it was okay. Why? Because the money or the, the provision that I spent for my family did not come from me. It came from God. God actually only used me to be a blessing to them. Now, another family that I have is, of course, the members of the church. Now, if those of you who have not gone through one-to-one -one yet or not part of a life group yet, we believe that in every nation, we, want, we believe that we are a family that is connected together. That every week we come together to study the Word of God through our life groups and through one-to-one. -one. Now, who's not done with one-to-one -one yet? If you're not done with one-to-one -one yet, I, 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 just, I just hope I didn't see that. <laughs> right? If you're not done through with one-to-one -one yet, approach anyone who stood on stage, Jean, Anthony, Yobi. You can also approach the ushers in the back, okay? Um, because... We are actually a family, whether you like it or not, all right? Look at the person beside you, right? That's your family in Christ, okay? And talking about family in Christ, every nation is actually a global movement. We are located in 86-plus nations across the globe, okay? We are about 800 churches all over the world. Say 800, Right? I, wanna, I want to list all of that there, but it won't fit. Right? So we're in the Philippines, United Kingdom, U.S. They're from our family in the U.S. Um, Japan, Korea. Who likes Korea? Korean food. Right? Okay, we also have China, of course. We have India, East Timor, etc., etc., etc. All right, now are you ready for this? 
I have an announcement to make. Okay? Are you ready for this? Okay? October, say October, 5 to 7. Alright? October 5 to 7, we will have our world conference. Alright? Where all of these nations will be coming together in Cape Town. We'll all go to Cape Town, October 5 to 7. Yobi won't come because he has to be in church. Alright? October 5 to 7, we'll all be in Cape Town meeting with our global family. Now, if you're part of a life group, Right? And you're interested to come to Cape Town, please approach me and Army, Jean, Anthony, um, Nika. Right? But Nika's going home. She's leaving us. Sad. Right? Um, yeah, she's going home, but we'll pray that we'll pray that there will be a miracle. She will find her forever. <laughs> Amen, Nika? Amen. Right? So yeah, mark your calendars, October 5 to 7. If you're part of a life group, you're invited. If you're not part of a life group yet, be part of one and you're still invited. Amen? 5 to 7, Cape Town, South Africa. Now, like what I said earlier, this is our third installment in our series entitled, Want More. And in the first week, we said that it's okay to want more as long as we know what more is for. Right? It's okay to want more if we know what more is for. I am wanting more from God because I would like to have our own building here in Bahrain someday. Amen? I would like to want a car because I want to transport people to church. It's okay to want more as long as you know what more is for. In the second week, right? last week, this is... I love last week's preaching, right? Because it reminds us that God's blessing is there for us to enjoy. Amen? It's there for us to enjoy. We are called to enjoy God's blessing. And it's okay to enjoy God's blessing because He gave that for you to enjoy it. Right? To use it in order to advance His kingdom. And I hope that by doing so, you will find fulfillment and joy. And sometimes, you know, what stops us from enjoying God's blessing? What stops us? Is there? I mean, honestly, I forget. I, 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 I can't enjoy God's blessing if I fear that it will run out tomorrow. Right? Have you felt that? Okay, God gave me 100 BD today for shopping. I'm going to keep 20 BD for tomorrow. Right? So I did not fully enjoy that 100 BD. Guys, it's okay to enjoy God's blessing to the fullest because God is also our provider. Amen? We are only stewards of everything that you have. Right? Everything that you have, every single thing that you have, we are only stewards of that. And as faithful stewards, let's use it for the glory of God. Right? And it's so, um, having said that, having said that God is our provider, are you poor or are you rich? Right? We're rich. Because God is provider, is our provider, we are all rich. Amen? Who's rich? 
If you did not raise your hand, you're, gonna be, you're not going to be rich, okay? All of us are rich, right? Even if we don't feel like it. All of us are rich even if we don't feel like it. All of us are rich even if it doesn't seem like we are rich. Right? Lord, how can I become rich when I am at the moment sick? Right? But your illness is what? Diabetes and hypertension. Right? Illness of the wealthy. Okay? <laughs> we are all rich in Christ. Amen? Even if it doesn't seem like it. And I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in the province. I'm what you call a promdi, right? Promdi province, okay? I'm, I, I grew up in the province, and, and I was, as I was growing up, I used to visit my grandma, and my grandma would actually have this stove, right? It's a clay oven. Do you remember this? Do you know this? Right? Do you have this in the U.S.? No. no? <laughs> Do you have this in Australia? Okay, it's, it's a clay oven, right? So you put the wood here, you, you put the wood here and the fire comes on top, right? And that's where you put your pot. Now, if you've tried cooking with wood, you know that it's time-consuming, right? You have to cut the tree, you have to wait for the tree to dry, and then you have to, again, chop it again, and then you have to, you know, put it into the stove, you have to start the fire, but what's worse than that, what's worse than starting the fire, when you, sometimes when you blew into it, you have this tube, right? And you blew into it. Sometimes you inhale it as well. So you inhale the ash. Okay? <laughs> so you blow into it. But what's worse than that is when, when the time that you start to wash the pots. Right? Because the pots will be full of soot. Right? It's black. It's burnt, it's black, so you really have to scrub it, right? So it took a lot of time, right? A lot of time to cook on stoves, right? So when my grandma had a little money, right? Had a little money, she, she bought this, right? Now everyone knows this, right? It's where you cook samgyupsal. Okay, it's where you, that you, the one that you use for samgyutsal, okay? Now we all have this, right? So we started cooking here. My grandma started cooking here. But because it's small, the gas ran out fast. So she had to go to the refilling station every three days or so, right? And then because my grandma had a text mate, she did not have time. <laughs> text mate, right? Um, and, and she couldn't cook. When, when there's a gathering, she can only cook one dish at a time. So you cook your viand first, and then you cook your rice, and, and then you boil eggs, right? So when she had little more money, she bought a gas range. Wow, it's a four-burner with an oven, okay? It's made in Japan, I think, if you zoom in. Now, so... She was really happy with this gas range. Why? Now she can cook four meals or four food stuff um, at the same time. Plus, you know, she had a storage for her soy sauce and oil, cooking oil at the bottom of the oven. So when she needed salt, she'd go like, salt, you know? 
Okay? Right? Um, <laughs> all right? And, 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 and she was really happy with it. She was really happy with it. But every time I sat with her, she'd reminisce about the clay oven, the clay stove. Like how the clay stove, in the, in the clay stove, the food was tastier. It naturally had that smoky taste. How in the clay stove did she, you know, while waiting for the food to cook, had so much time speaking or talking with her grandchildren? Because now in the four burner, she has to really look at it because it might burn. In the clay stove, it was slow and low. Right, Andrew? Right? So when she cooked food, she enjoyed watching the farm. She enjoyed watching the skies. And if you, if, I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't know even if you notice this, but the more you had, the more complicated life became. Right? The more you had, the more complicated life became. So I remember when this is our rest house in the mountains in the Philippines. Right? So when, whenever me and my family, <laughs> right, in my dreams, right, in my dreams, whenever me and my family would go to this house, it's just easy. Right? Uh, we'd see each other. We'd see each other. It's a small house. So you wake up, your child is beside you. You go to bed, your child is beside you. You go to the toilet, your child is beside you. All right? So it's because it's a small house. And you know you see what your child is doing, right? But when, then my dad went abroad and we had more money, so he built a bigger house. <laughs> if you're going to the Philippines, let me know. It's only 700 BD per night. Okay? <laughs> um, so now, when we, when, let's just pretend that it's true, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, now, when we go to this house, right, when it's dinner time, you know, because we don't have maids. Uh, when it's dinner time, I go on my phone and call my son. Hey, son, it's dinner time. Come down. But this is true story. Um, Romilito in the back and Fats in the back know about this. When we, when we were about five years ago, six years ago, we rented a house in Citra. It's quite, quite big. It's quite huge. It's a three-bedroom villa. And whenever it was dinner time, I'd actually go in, I, I'd actually call my children on the phone and ask them to come to the dinner table. Right? Because it was so big. Life became complicated. Why? Why? Why did life become complicated? Yeah? Uh, the more we have, life becomes more complicated. And, and wait, I remember also, I don't know if you relate to this, okay? Whenever we take, when, when, whenever, before we eat, and, and I think Rosario knows this, he noticed this whenever I come to his place. <laughs> whenever we eat, right, we even take photos of our food, right? We take photos of our food and then post it on Instagram so that while we are eating, right, while we're eating, we're monitoring the likes that we have, right? Because, you know, I think the problem lies in the way that we were brought up. 
Okay? I think the problem lies in the culture that we are in. And it doesn't matter if you're from the Philippines. It doesn't matter if from which part of the globe you are. We have been brought up in this notion that the more stuff we have, the better life we will have too. Amen? The more stuff we have, hello, Yobi, right? The better, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, right? The better life we have. But is it really be- more stuff equals better life? Is it really more stuff equals better life? Now, while having access to basic necessities and resources, right, is important for our well-being. I'm not saying that we don't have, we don't have, we don't need to have access to basic necessities. It's important for our well-being. Accumulating material possessions beyond a certain point does not necessarily increase happiness or fulfillment. True? In fact, there is a research that said that excessive focus on material wealth can actually lead to stress, anxiety, and a lack of meaningful relationships. This is a research that the more we have would actually lead to an, I mean, an excessive focus on material wealth can actually lead to stress, anxiety, and a lack of meaningful relationships. I have a sister who grew up in Canada. Right? Now, my, my, my father would actually um, joke with her that when she goes home to the Philippines, her toilet would be a small shack with a small cover and then a hole on the floor. Right? And then whenever my dad would say to my sister that we're going home to the Philippines, she'd get stressed and she'd experience anxiety. Why? Because she knows that the comfort of city living is not available in the Philippines. Right? But, but you know, my sister has a really good heart. Right? She has, she's re- really generous. And when she started working, she started sending money to the Philippines to you know, improve the house. But this is a research. The value of material possessions de- depends on how they are used and the degree to which they enhance one's life in, in a meaningful way. Right? It's not how much you have. It's the value of what you have. It's the value of what you have. If you have a gift, right? If you have a gift, no matter how cheap it was, even if it's just a $5 watch, but it came from someone you love, right? would you value it? Would you value it? Even if you have, let's say, she gives, you know, when, when I was growing up, I had a crush. Right? And, and you know like how cool guys in high school were? They don't, didn't have paper, they didn't have pen, right? And I go like, can I borrow your pen? And my crush would give me her pen and I'd keep it. And then after a week, she'd go like, hey, where's my pen? <laughs> you, know? you stole my pen. But the value is there, right? Possessions that serve a functional purpose or contribute to personal growth and enjoyment can be valuable, 
but accumulating things purely for the sake of having more can distract us from God and from our overall being, uh, well-being. Actually, Jesus said, Luke 12, 52, this is what Jesus said. He said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Right? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So, more stuff is not really equal to a better quality of life. In fact, he says, take care. Be on your guard. It's a warning. It's a warning against what? It's a warning against greed. It's a warning against greed. Jesus cautions against the desire for more possessions and the temptation, what temptation? To put our trust on those possessions. It's a warning for all of us because greed leads to bad things. Greed actually leads to, number one, broken relationships. Greed leads to broken relationships. How? Because greed stimulates or encourages a lack of concern for others and their needs causing strained or broken relationships. Husband and wives, you know, they fight sometimes over money. Sad fact. They fight over money. Why? Because someone in the party failed to fulfill a promise. Friends, who, are, who have friends here? You know, if you have a friend that gets disappointed because you forgot to give that person a gift during his birthday, think again. Is he really your friend or he just wants what you have? Right? If you're friends with someone because you think that you can get something from him, I don't think that's genuine friendship. When you say, oh, I love him so much because he treats me like a princess. But what happens if he no longer can treat you as a princess? Will you still love that person? Greed leads to broken relationships. Greed also leads to moral and spiritual decay. Right? Our priorities change. Our priorities is no longer morality. Our priority is no longer spiritual integrity. Our priority is no longer faith in God because of personal gain. We prioritize personal gain over our time with the Lord. How many times have you said this? You wake up late because you have to go to work. You forget to read your Bible. How many times have you woke up that way? How many times have you forgotten to at least pray in a day? 
Or is it okay for you to miss praying? It's just one day. Guess what? We don't have a religion here. We're not promoting a religion in this church. What we're promoting is a personal relationship with God. In a personal relationship, a relationship without daily communication, right, is not a healthy relationship. Have you ever tried not to send a message to your girlfriend back in the Philippines? What happened? Right? If you forget to greet um, your cousin in the Philippines because it's his birthday, what happened? Right? Because we're busy at work. And we Christianize that. We say it's okay to be busy at work because whatever I earn goes to them anyway. Guess what? Our family doesn't really need our money. Our family needs us. Greed leads to financial ruin. Because we can't sustain our lifestyle, we start to borrow money. And greed leads to health problems. Just like what I said earlier, if we focus so much more on our greed, it will lead to anxiety, stress, hypertension, etc., etc. Now, another problem with greed is that greed can also lead to spiritual emptiness. Greed can lead us to a sense of spiritual emptiness because as individuals, we start to prioritize our possessions and we think that we can do it ourselves. And we stop relying on the Lord. Question now is, how do we go against greed? Right? How do we go against greed? And we can only go against greed with the grace of God, with God's word, with God's provision, that's the only way we can go against greed. Right? If you want to see what the Bible says about this, on how to counter greed, open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Timothy. And I'll be reading from verse, chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. Let's turn your Bibles to chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. You there? Why don't we all stand in reverence of the word? Okay, let's let's all read it with feelings, okay? With feelings, all right? So imagine Paul is talking to you. At verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, they may take hold of that which is truly life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word today. <coughs> Father, I pray, Father, that as we go through your word today, as we, Lord God, digest your word today, as we eat your word today, Father, may you use it, Lord God, to transform our lives. <coughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
<coughs> I mean, I'll be seated. <coughs> so, I apologize. I know it's Ramadan. Okay? Please don't report me to the police. Um, just my throat is a little itchy, right? Now, the verse we've read is a letter from Paul to Timothy. Timothy was a young leader in the early church in, in Ephesus. Now, Paul is providing Timothy instructions on how to teach and guide the wealthy members of the efficient church. Again, Ephesus is a port city. Being a port city, it was a center of trade. And it was actually one of the most important cities in the time of Paul all over the world. And first question I asked myself was, why was he speaking with the rich? Why? Because the rich actually have a better opportunity to use their wealth to bless others. You get me? The rich will have a better opportunity to bless others because those who are in lack will be busy finding for their or providing for their personal or uh, basic necessities, right? That's why the rich has a better opportunity. And we've, you know, we've talked about this last week that who has money in their pockets right now? I don't have money in my pocket. But that doesn't mean I don't have money in my benefit pay, Okay. Now, if you have money in the bank right now, you're actually, I think you're in the top 8% of the wealthiest people in the world. Okay? So all of us are rich. Amen? Now, here, Paul instructs these individuals who have been blessed with material resources and spiritual resources to use their wealth for the benefit of others rather than hoarding it for themselves. And this is important for us today because we can either be rich in this world but poor in the next. Would you like that? Would you like to be rich in this world and poor in the next? And, and um, I used this illustration before but if you have this very, very long cable, okay? Very long cable from the front to the back, to the back to the front, and front to the back, okay? If you have that long cable representing eternity, our life here on earth is just about this much. Or maybe even not, okay? So the life, our next life is actually more important than our life here. But if we don't know how to use our wealth, we can be rich here, but poor in the next. Also, right? you can be poor here in this world, but rich in the next. All right? But there's a better option. You can both be rich here in this world and rich in the next world. And who wants that? And this is not a prosperity gospel. Okay? I'm not saying believe in this and you will be rich, right? In, in the hall of faith, there are people who died poor, but they were rich in the next world. But now we have to, 
Think about it this way. This letter or this part of this letter is written to Christians who are rich. Amen? So we can both be rich here and rich in the next world. Right? So how do we do that? Let's, let's look at the Bible. Verse 18, it says here, they. Okay? They, who are they? The rich. Right? Now, in this time, who are they? Us. Okay? Now, who are rich? The rich, we've spoken about this last week. Rich are those who are filled with material wealth, right? And blessed by God's blessings. Right? This is the definition of rich in this letter. One who is filled with material wealth and blessed by God. Right? That's you and me. All of us have been blessed by God. Right? Verse 18 further says, They are to do good to be rich in good works. Funny how in less than a sentence, in half the verse, he said good twice. Amen? Now, when he said to do good, he meant... Uh, wait, let me look at my notes. Okay? He meant ago to ergeo. Okay? I know it's hard. I, don't, I can't even pronounce it. But what does that mean? He said to do good, right? That good here in Greek means ago... Which means one who focuses in good in God's work and one who begins and empowers all to do God's work. Did you get that? One who focuses in God's work and empowers all to do good work while also requiring 100% of the believer's participation. That's to do the first good. What's so interesting is the second good. Okay, agotheorgeo, but one who, one who does good and empowers people to do good, but guess what? To be rich in good works mean. This good here meant, in, God, in, in, in Greek, uh, it stands for kalios. Now, what does that mean? Attractively good. Get that? So now, you have to do good, one who does good works, one who empowers people who do good works, and the second good means attracting people to do good. Right? Did you get that? It's good that inspires, motivates others to embrace what is good. So to be rich, to do good, means that as we do good and encourage people to do good, we are attracting others to do the same. So that we can be rich in good works. Right? Now, I know that's, sorry, that's boring to some, right? <laughs> now, we don't want to be greedy. If we don't want to be greedy, let's do good. Let's do good works. 
But some of us will say like, Lord, I don't have enough to do good. I am not rich enough. I don't know the Bible enough, right? I don't know this. I don't know that. I am not capable to do good. But maybe that's because there's something wrong in your heart. Right? Maybe you refusing to do good has nothing to do with what you have, but it has something to do with what you want. Maybe it's a heart issue. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's not some, it's not maybe, but all grace, all sufficiency, all things, all times, and you may abound in some good works. No, it says you may abound in every good work. Now, this verse is a reminder that God is faithful and generous and that he will provide everything you need to do his work in this world. Everything, both ago whatever and kalios, God has provided everything you need so that you can do both. Right? His the verse would encourage us to trust in God's provision and to use the blessings we receive to serve others and glorify God. Now, in 2011, I met this very, very generous man. He's very generous. Um, and, and back then, we were, we were gathering money for plane tickets because there were people in the embassy that were stuck and they can't go home. So we're gathering funds for plane tickets uh, to buy plane tickets until they go home. And we had a meeting with him. And he encouraged us. And he said this. He said, give until it hurts. And I've said this a million times in this church. But while preparing for this preaching, I realized that if I give and I still feel hurt whenever I give, that means there's something wrong in my heart. That means that there is still something, you know, stopping me or preventing me from giving because it still hurts. Can you imagine that? Right? If, if something still hurts when you give, that means you're not generous enough. Why? Why? Because when God saved us, he gave us a new heart. And God, by nature, is generous. So when He gives, He does not hurt. God has given us a new heart. In fact, He did not only give us a new heart. When we were saved, we were transformed. Right? And this transformation is so powerful. This transformation is so powerful that the only way human words can describe it is to say you have you are now a new creation is that transformation 
No, right? Transformation is taking something and changing it so that it becomes a new transformation. But when we say new creation, you're new. <coughs> so when I give until it hurts, there's still that human nature inside of me. So this, so I changed this and said this and encourage you to do the same. Give until it hurts no more. If you want to counter greed, the way to counter greed is generosity. Not just the kind of generosity that we, are, we give until it hurts. But the kind of generosity when we give and it no longer hurts. <clears throat> I realize that what's stopping me to share was my, actually my unwillingness to do it. It's not what I have, but it's my unwillingness to do it. Why? Because we think that we don't have enough. We think that we are not capable to share. We think that we are not worthy. But the fact is, and if we are really honest with ourselves, and it's for most of us, the reason we don't share and we don't give and the reason we're not generous is because we don't have our faith in God. We don't trust God to provide for us. We don't trust God to meet our needs. And I think that's the reason why it's, that prevents us from giving. But you know what? Transformation doesn't happen overnight. We can do it one step at a time. Right? We can start doing good works how? By practicing kindness and compassion. Practice kindness and compassion. Someone hurt you? Alright, forgive. Someone badmouth you at work? Love him more. Right? Someone, you know, looks down on you? Be kind to animals. Alright? Number two. You can start doing good works by expressing gratitude. Be thankful for the small things. You know, when your wife wakes, when you wake up in the morning and your wife starts shouting out at you, you don't go, Lord, why didn't you take her while she's sleeping? Don't say that, right? When you wake up and your wife is shouting at you, you, get, you say, Lord, thank you for giving me a beautiful wife. Right? Express gratitude. Even in times when, you know, you're placed in a position where it's, you're not supposed to be thankful. Uh, when you're sick, okay, when you're sick, when, we had, when I had COVID, or when, when my friends had COVID, they go like, what did I do? What did I, I didn't deserve to do this. I had my vaccines, etc., etc. Et I did not deserve to have COVID. You know, that's some of my friends' reactions. And some of my friends' reactions were like, thank you, Lord, for COVID. Why? Because now I have time to read my books. Now I have time to read my Bible. Now I have time to quarantine with my family. You can be thankful in all things. 
Right? Number three, look for opportunities to help. I've seen managers, right? people who have high positions in their offices, but you will see them, you know, they would be here rolling the cables, carrying the speakers, you know, fixing whatever is here. Look for opportunities to help. Christ did not come to judge yet. He will come to judge soon. But he came to serve. Practice generosity. Generosity is the antidote for greed. And we can be generous with our time, with our talents, and resources, whether it's an offering to help others or family members in need. We can be generous. We have been given many resources. Who among you have time to watch Netflix? Hey, say the truth. Come on, don't be shy. Every one of us will have time to watch Netflix. Right? But you ever, have you ever thought of allotting some of that time to listen to friends that are in need? Have you ever thought of allotting some of that time to encourage people? And to those who are sleeping now, okay? You can do good works by listening attentively. Right? We can practice active listening by fully presenting, right? By fully present, uh, by being fully present and attentive when someone is speaking to us, whether that's a friend, family member, coworker, or even a stranger. Even a stranger. Once I, uh, there was one morning I I got into the bus. I woke up on the wrong, wrong side of the bed. And, and I have a, a headset where, you know, you can just, it's noise canceling. When you put that on, you just, you won't hear anyone else. Um, and and I, I had that on and I had, because I, I had a bad night. And then one guy came, sat, sat beside me and he was looking really worried. So I said, Lord, am I gonna, should I speak to him? Should I not speak to him? But I'm in a bad mood, you know. Um, but he was looking really worried. So what I did was I, I, just, I just took out one of them. And then I asked, hey, hi, good morning. How are you? And then he started talking. And I said, um, actually, I'm going, I'm going to see. I'm looking for work. And then he said that his worry was he did not have fare to come home. He worried he did not have fare to come home. And then God, you know, pinched my heart. And then I looked at my wallet. I had 5BD. So I wanted to go to the driver and said, can you change this, please? <laughs> and don't blame me. I'm an Ilocano. Okay, I'm practical. So, um, and then he started talking and talking and talking. Of course, it just, it's not just the fare. It's about food. It's about buying water or whatever, whatever. Uh, and then I really don't want to give, okay? I really don't want to give. As I approach uh, Bab al Bahrain, because that's where I go down, I, go like, I stood up and I said, excuse me, can I pass by? And as soon as the bus stopped, 
I just took out my wallet and said, here, take it, I'm going. <laughs> but it's not, and, then, and later on, this week, I again rode the bus with him. And it's something I'm going to miss, riding the bus. So this week, I rode the bus again with him, and now he has work. But, you know, and, and what I thought was, he was going to thank me for what I gave him. But he said, like, thank you so much for listening that day. I said, but I gave you money. You don't remember the money I gave you? I said, <laughs> but he goes like, thank you so much for listening to me that day. And, and without knowing, I also encouraged him. I told him that God will provide. And he said to me, you know what? That day, I went for an interview. Before I reached home, they told me that I got the job. I said, wow, but you still don't remember about the money I gave you. <laughs> you know what? I know that sometimes listening is not your strong suit. I mean, you don't like to listen. I know that sometimes, you know, you may only have a few dinners left in your pockets. I know that sometimes that you're also tired that you just want to go home after church, you just want to go home and sleep. I know sometimes that you're in a bad, you just had a bad week, and you just it's just so difficult for you to be kind and compassionate. But, but, I'm here to tell you that you still can. There is still something left to be squeezed. Why? Because God is your provider. He has given you everything that you need so that you can abound in good works. Not only abound in good works, He has also given you everything that you need to be generous and to be ready to share. To be generous and ready to share. Because we can be generous, but we're not ready to share. We can be generous but not ready to share. Two years ago, I received a request from my old boss to share a recommendation on his LinkedIn profile. Just that, two years ago, I received that, recommend, that, that request to post a recommendation on his profile. It's just a matter of five minutes. He was a good boss. He listened to my, uh, to my blah, 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 blah. Send, right? But guess what? I also did it only this week. Why? Because I wasn't ready to share. We can, you know, it's, it's different to be generous and it's different to be generous and ready to share. And it's difficult, like, you know, doing good works, it's difficult so we can do baby steps. We can start by being willing to lend a helping hand. If you're good in computers, if you're good at fixing cell phones, if there's a problem, go ahead and help. If you have a car and you're going to a place where another brethren is going, you know, anyway, you're going to the same place, you know, ask that brother or sister, you know, bro, sis, you know, why don't you come with me? I'll also pick you up next Friday. Be willing to help a helping hand. Number two, you can start being generous by being open-minded. 
go to a coffee shop and shout power. Okay? Being open-minded. When someone shares their thoughts or experience with you, with us, being ready to share means being open-minded and willing to listen and to learn from them. You can be generous in that way. Maybe this person needs just needs someone just to vent out. She just needs to be to vent out and she just wants you to listen. Right? You can also start to be generous by prioritizing relationships. Last night it was Joshua's um, baby dedication. Right? And and again, whenever I have when whenever I officiate a baby dedication, I always get reminded that to children, love is spelled as T-I-M-E. Time. If we want to show love to our family, we spend time with them. It's you know, you don't show love by showering that person with gifts. You don't show love by showering that person. With, with, with material things, you show love by spending time with them. Time. We, we can start by offering our resources. Whatever you have. You have a spare, you know, you have a spare MacBook Pro? Give it to me. Right? And number eight, we can start to be generous by focusing on purpose and meaning. Identifying and pursuing meaningful goals and values can provide us a sense of purpose and fulfillment beyond material possession. And to us, right? To us, that might be, verse 19, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. We can be generous by storing up treasures for ourselves as a good foundation for the future. Isn't that contradicting? To the Jewish audience, the phrase storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future means that they... Um, it's understood as doing good works, acts of kindness and generosity, which are laid up as a foundation for the future. That's to the Jews. However, to the Ephesians, the concept of storing up treasures for the future could have been understood <coughs> could have been understood in the context of their cultural and religious beliefs. Now, in ancient Ephesus and other Roman cities accumulating wealth and possessions was considered a sign of success and a means of securing one's future and status in the society. Right? Did you get that? To the Greeks, to the Romans, storing up treasures is my security for the future. Right? That's for them. But to us, as Christians... And in the New Testament, actually, the letter of Paul challenges this way of thinking by emphasizing that temporary, that, that the nature of temporary or the nature of worldly wealth is only temporary. So when when 
in Ephesus for the Ephesians, storing up wealth is for my security in the future. In the New Testament, that is challenged when, when the New Testament said that those treasures that you store are temporary. So in this context, storing up treasures for the future means investing things that have eternal value. Right? So, again, right? Be generous and then start investing in themselves. When he said that, when, when that, that message was said, it wasn't meant for you to invest in, in, in this world, but it meant, it meant investing in the future, in the eternal future that you have. We are called to invest in things that have eternal value. And what are those things? Relationship with God. Acts of kindness. Being part of a charitable event. This kinds of investment provides a foundation for a truly meaningful and fulfilling life. Therefore, it says there, invest them, storing up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Right? Verse 19. Now you get it? Being generous, and when you're generous, you're giving, and as you give, you're, treasure, you're, you're investing towards the future, to your eternity, and when you invest in eternity, you're holding on to what is truly life. And what kind of life is that? Because when Paul wrote this, again, he was writing to Christians already, so this does not talk about salvation. They are already saved, right? They're already members of the church of Ephesus. If I were to paraphrase verse 19, I would paraphrase it this way. That they may take hold of life that is real. That they may take hold of life that is real real because there is false life there is false life and and the life that i'm talking about here is not bias but the zoe kind of life what is a zoe kind of life a Zoe kind of life is a quality of life that is both eternal and spiritual in nature. In Christian theology, the Greek word Zoe refers to a quality of life that is eternal and spiritual in nature. To have Zoe means to have a life that is abundant and full, not just in the material sense, but also in the spiritual sense. It is life that is characterized by what? The fruits of the Spirit. And what are those? Joy, peace, love, and other virtues that come from being in a relationship with God. That's a Zoe life. 
question is, this morning, what is your heart towards generosity? What is your heart towards generosity? How have you viewed generosity? Is it just being able to give what you can give? Is it just being able to give until it hurts? Or is it being able to give until it no longer hurts? Growing up, I thought that, you know, I can find joy, peace, love, the more stuff I have. I can find, as long as I am, you know, I am with the trend, I have the latest shoes, I have the latest watch, I have the latest cell phone, people will accept me. But I was wrong. I was wrong. What's your heart towards generosity? I realized that, you know, if I give myself to the people that hate me, that for me is generosity. If I am able to give, extend forgiveness to people that hurt me, even when they have not asked for forgiveness, that's generosity. Now, as a church, let us encourage each other to be generous and to do God's work. We are a community. We're here to pray for one another. We're here to encourage one another. And maybe this is what we all can do. Let's encourage each other to be generous and let's encourage each other to do good works. And even when it hurts, it's okay. And even when we're in lack, we can still be generous. Why? Because God provides us with all the resources that we can use to, that we can use to advance His kingdom here on earth. God is our provider. And because God is our provider, again, let me go back to my previous point. Strive. I say strive. Strive to do good works. Strive to be generous. Because as you do that, you take hold of the true life that is found only in Christ. That as you give yourself, you gain Christ. Amen? Let's all stand. Why don't we bow our heads and just let's, let's just ask the Lord, Lord, how can we do good works this week? Lord, how can we be generous this week? Is it spending time with a loved one? Is it listening to someone's problem? Is it sharing our resources? Lord, how can I be generous how can I do good works this week?
And Father, as we ask you, Lord, how, Father, right now I ask, Lord, that you also show us the who. Lord, who can we extend generosity to this week? Lord, who can we be a blessing to this week? And Father, right now I just ask, Lord, that you just reveal to us, like, to who and how can we be generous to that person this week? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for providing everything that we need so that we can be generous to this person. Father, thank you for providing everything that we need, Lord God, so that we can be an extension of your grace, an extension of your mercy, an extension, Lord God, of your truth to that person who is in need this week. And my prayer, Lord, is that not only have you have Lord, not only, Lord God, reveal to us and not only, God, show us, Lord God, how and who, but even, Lord God, I ask, Lord God, right now for the provision. Lord, and more than the provision that you will give, Lord God, I also ask, Lord God, for an opportunity, Lord God, to show how faithful you are, how good you are to that person who needs you this week. Lord, here we are. Use us, Lord. Use us as an extension of your provision. Use us as, a, as an extension of your grace, as an extension of your mercy, Father. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that as we bless this person with material things, as we bless this person with emotional things, Lord, we will also be able, Father, to bless this person with the eternal life that comes from you. Lord, use us to proclaim your good news this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and use your lives as a reflection of His goodness, greatness, of His love, of His generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, right? Before you go, those who are going to be part of the Purple Book, please wait until 1.30, we'll try to give your books today, okay? So if you're part of, if you're going to be part of the Purple Book, please stay until 1.30, right? Everyone who have finished one-to-one is encouraged to be part of it. Amen? So you're now dismissed. Come stay. 1.30, we'll give your books. See you, Nick. See you again next week.